Tonight's talk is entitled Imposters of the Body. I'd like to read a short poem just as an introduction. It's by an unknown author. It says, My body, you are so kind to sit and wait for me while I am away. I wander off, but you do not budge. When I return home, it is to you. If only that poem were true. Because uh, we do wander off. I don't think there's any question about that. But when we come back, we don't feel at home in our body. And many of us um, are very unsettled within our own skin. We feel like illegitimate children of the earth. Without a sense of belonging. Where do we belong? And that sense of illegitimacy is a good word because everywhere we go, we feel sort of like a walking mistake, like we're about to be exposed, like we're an imposter. And partially it's within our statistics of ourselves as a country where homes are owned for the average of five years. And then moved on. People live in many, many different states throughout their lives. We're a very uh, nomadic people. And so, so part of it is just we haven't developed a resonance with the earth. I know for myself, when I go back to the area where I grew up, uh, the rolling hills of southern Ohio, uh, I'm not fond necessarily of the consciousness Uh, it's a little conservative for me but the land itself holds a a grip holds a resonance Uh, and I um, enjoy returning for that reason in in itself and I had uh, traveled a great number of different places and lived in a great number of different places for various reasons But when I came here some 18 years ago in the Northwest, I knew immediately I was here for a long run uh, because everything worked. There was a complete resonance of spirit for me in terms of um, the consciousness of the people and the weather worked fine, uh, the trees, the outdoors, everything. And I just I felt uh, that I was just going to that was it. I mean, circumstances may force a move, but they weren't going to come from a kind of restless spirit. It was just, that was it. And I think once I was able to just drop the wondrousness of my searching for a home, then things started to unfold in a way that they only could when I had fully arrived at any place. 
But many of us have not fully arrived in any place. And we feel um, circumspect. We just, we don't feel deserving of having arrived anywhere. Our minds are constantly telling us that where we are is not where we should be. That we should be somewhere else. That we should be doing something else. That somehow we embody and personify a sense of inadequacy that expresses itself in our activity and our restlessness and our agitation and our movements and our lack of belonging. And we don't know what to make of that. We just keep moving. And I don't necessarily mean physically, but mentally. We just keep, even if we are steady in our place of physical residence, still our mind is constantly betraying a sense of permanency, a sense of settledness within ourselves. And it feels partly due to a strong sense of self-inadequacy that we carry. This feeling of being an imposter. Of, I mean, I have had many people tell me that be they a doctor, a lawyer, Indian chief, they feel like a, they're pretending. They feel like they're, it's not really what who they are. Now, I mean, there can be wisdom in that because, in fact, you're not that. But there can also be an illegitimacy, a, a feeling of just being illegitimate and wherever and whatever we're doing. And so there's no rest. It's peripatetic spirit. It's just constantly on the move. Constantly in search of something. Search of something. And I think it may well be within our genetics. Having forefathers who landed were landed immigrants. All of us. Unless we are Native Americans. Genetically it may be within the very spirit of how we are as a society. But I think it's important Dharma point to come to terms with that, do we not? Well, I I don't know, you know, it's like, well, you know, are you committed to this? I don't know, I want to do a little Zen. I have to do a little, (laughs) I'll get a teaching from this teacher and that teacher and I'll check back with you and see whether, you know, it's like, When do we arrive? When do we say this is home? And then circumstances may move us. But we're legitimately where we are regardless of where we are. There's never a question of that. Dharma is not questioning our place in life. The Buddha on the night of his enlightenment is said to have, mythologically perhaps, reached down in the moment of a crisis of consciousness, a feeling illegitimate. He touches the earth. He touches the earth for legitimacy. To say, this is where I am. This is the only place I can be. Don't argue with me, mind. There's no argument here. This is where I am, period. That's it. The end of the story. And perhaps each of us should 
and our hearts touch the earth from time to time, proving our legitimacy. Proving that we're not an imposter. Because until we have that base of operation, our mind cannot settle. We have no home to return to if we feel like this home is itself a fraud. And when we look at the body in terms of its evaluative appreciation culturally, we see it's not doesn't hold much of what the magazine covers holds. So we feel, in a sense, part of it is uh, an induced belief that the body should represent something, should be seen in a certain way. And that's part of the fear we have by embodying ourselves, is that we embody an irregular shape, a shape that is not appreciated by others. And so... um, Practice has no stabilizing, has no foundation, it has no ground. Where do we land for the ground? We haven't even come to terms with the nature of what the body is and how it moves and what it, what it is. We still separate ourselves from the body. We consider ourselves sort of an owner of a body. As if the body were some possession we had. Like a horse. And it's because we've created a wall, a demarcation between where we think we are and the sense of having a body. And we've walled ourselves from that body. Walled ourselves off because we don't feel at home in the body. Body doesn't give us any sense of belonging. And in Dharma practice, as we get quieter, as we open to the space, open to space, we see that there is a shared space for all things. That presence holds all things. And that there is no line, there is no boundary where the mind begins and the body ends. Not at all. In fact, I I have ceased thinking that way for decades. And therefore, we cannot tap the innate intelligence of the body because we don't have any groundedness in the body. We're, we stand in contempt of the body. The body represents more of our own limitations. The body seems to be misguided, misformed. And so we can't touch. We can't, because we have walled ourselves off from the body and we have no home within the body and we feel like an imposter once we do touch the body, there, there, the body cannot express its innate intelligence. 
the wholeness of the mind cannot is born from that innate intelligence, arises from that intelligence. All of us realize, you cannot show me where the mind stops and the body begins. I defy that experientially. Not in terms of skin boundary, I'm not talking, I'm talking experientially here. One is contained within the other, all of it held within space. The mind doesn't stop in this six-inch area at the top of our skull. It moves effortlessly, overflows effortlessly. So what do we, what do we call myself? And to... Bring some intentionality to the discovery of what the body is. To see that. To really lay claim. To touch the earth legitimately. And to do that, we have to work with the mind. Because the mind is the basis of our uprooting. Of the sense of imposter. We have to take that head on and say, come on here. And many of us have to follow the root system of that illegitimate, that feeling of being illegitimate. Wherever it takes us, doesn't matter. To be able to finally come in and settle within this fathom-long body. The Buddha said the whole world arises from this fathom-long body. He meant that specifically. That wasn't um, a metaphor. It arises here. And to... Come back and feel belonging once more. To feel a sense of belonging. To feel a sense of ground. To feel our legitimacy on the earth. I don't see that illegitimacy in animals. Animals don't. I don't know. They just, you know, squirrels on his tree and that's it. He's not looking at other, you know, it's like this is it. He says, maybe that tree, I'll go to there. It's like this is the tree until I'm pushed off or run off. And this is it. This is where I am. This is it. And so, landing in ourselves, being willing to land in ourselves. Okay, so what is it that keeps us from landing? Because there's many things. Well, what is that 
this thing called the body, we've, we've directed and ruled. We've been the administrator of it. Now it needs yoga. Now it needs yogurt. <laughs> we've administered it, right? But we haven't embodied it. We haven't connected with it. We've ruled it. We're a benevolent ruler. Uh, the best of us are a benevolent ruler. But we've all been rulers. This is our fiefdom. But we haven't embodied it. So we don't know how to connect with it. We don't know how to go into it as an equal. <laughs> Not as a ruler or a dictator. Come on, pain. What's the matter with this thing? What's, why is it hurt? What's, I've got, you know, it's like a ruler. Snap, snap two. Tension. But not with a sense of discovery. Not from humility. Not in letting our boundaries cease. Not in relinquishing the need to be walled from anything. To let ourselves flow into it. To let our humanity flow forth. really requires us to feel legitimately within this body without any sense of excuse. Trying to excuse. I'm very sorry I'm here. We look in someone's eyes and think, oh my God, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be talking to them. See, the body's intelligence if you ever left the embodies intelligence out, it would lay claim to that spot. It wouldn't wither mousily and oh, I shouldn't, you know, you're. It would lay claim to it. It would arise. Where there's a hesitation in connection with the body. We don't, for one reason, we don't trust it. It hasn't been a good servant of the past, in the past. It hasn't, it hasn't been, it, it's been the holder of. Truths I, I don't have the courage to face. Both psychological and real truths. It holds the truth of impermanency. And I, if I don't want to face that truth, I'm going to have to hold up somewhere where that, I can pretend and deny that truth existing. So I can't embody myself because as soon as you do, you, you have to embrace the fact that it's in movement. That it's changing, it's aging, it's getting old. So if I can get somewhere, you know, away from it, as far away from it as I can, so I climb to the top of my skull, you know, and I'm, I'm now on the eagle's nest of a ship. I can look out and I, now I can say, land ho, right? <laughs> but I'm, I don't have to be on the vessel. 
And so it, it, hold, it holds that truth. It holds the truth that, you know, this thing is in decay. So, okay. Okay, so, so big deal. You know, so what? So what's the big deal about that? I don't get it, you know. You want to live forever? I don't want to live forever. Let's, <laughs> I welcome the fact that it's getting old. Okay, so that's it. I don't see a big deal in that. But perhaps what scares us most is the scar tissue we've built up within the body, isn't it? When we embody ourselves, the memories, see the cells, the aliveness, the mind's body holds the, the, it holds the scar tissue of our past. And therefore, again, we don't want to have to face our unforgiveness our lack of freedom. We don't have to want to face the memories of our betrayal. So let's go somewhere where we can get out of that. huh? Let's climb back up to the crow's nest. And as soon as we embody ourselves, those memories, those emotions start exploding forth. They do. And they have to. We haven't escaped them. We've just denied them. We just sealed them off. We tried to do it so that nothing, there would be no air that passed through. But hermetically, you can't hermetically seal yourself off in the body. So you keep getting, it still comes up. And then you turn this way and that and you get very agitated. A lot of restlessness comes from that. But... Again, what's the big deal? It's not as if those things are currently occurring. It's not as if those things, we were in those things in reality. They're just memory tissue. They're just memories. And I realize that some memories can be so abrasive, so tragic, so brutal, that they require a long period of time for us to um, access uh, even though the truth of them is that they are still over, even though they're difficult to access now, we've had such abuse or whatever occurred. And so for a few of us, a, a small majority or minority of us have to legitimately be patient and take our time in re-entering our body because it can, does contain scar tissue that is terrorizing. But for the majority of us, that's not the case. I mean, yes, we had skin knees and betrayals and unforgiveness, but when you want to, when you want this thing, when you're hungry, you know that's the feast. What's left is the feast. If we want to get through this conditioning, we have to go through the conditioning. And what is the conditioning but a past reflection, a memory? an emotional embodiment, a response of, of emotion, of fantasy, of memory. It's just, and if we can, if we have the body as our home base, it provides the support, the foundation for being able to hold all of that. 
But if we don't have the body as a foundation, then we're, we cast ourselves back up into the crow's nest. And then we are governed by the air, not by the earth element. And the air element is at the whim of every wind that comes by. But the earth element has a groundedness to it. So we face our emotions. Emotions are locked up in there, which proves that the body is not just a thing, but also mind. And it also is the access to the heart. We can't embody the heart without embodying the body. And you begin to feel the uh, esoteric systems of energy that begin to, once we embody ourselves, once we make friends with this thing, once we fully arrive within ourselves, then the systems, the energetic and mysterious systems of energy begin to move. You can feel them moving. You can feel them. Spinal energies, nadis. It's wondrous. It's a mystery, absolute mystery. All within this presence, this presence, this undivided presence, this undivided space where body and mind are no longer separated. Like foster kids that have been camped in different homes for centuries. They get united within the same family once more. The whole thing is embraced, is filled And part of the reason that we don't come back into the body is what I mentioned this morning, and I'd just like to say a little more about it, is that the mind, in its worst spiritual neurosis, keeps framing what we're doing in terms of a journey. In terms of progress, in terms of being somewhere else. Well, how can we ever arrive in ourselves when we're thinking and longing to be somewhere else, to have something else happen to us that will somehow certify our legitimacy. It's remarkable what we buy into in spiritual life. It's remarkable how gullible we are. How we want to be gullible. We're not just, we find a teacher that will tell us anything and then we just eat it up because it keeps us disassociate it in a way that doesn't allow, that keeps us from having to feel the pain of our life. What are we doing? Do we have time anymore? It's how we want to spend the rest of our life pretending This is not a journey. This is not a long, endless system of cultivation. 
This is immediate. If you want it, it is here. And if you don't want it, be honest with that fact. This thing arises up in full empowerment. We just have to be tired of being pathetic. It's amazing what we believe about ourselves, isn't it? Has no legitimacy whatsoever. None. Not even a scratch worth of it. Nothing. But boy, do we perpetuate it. Many of us like that feeling, though, of not being tied down to anything. Like we're journeying through this thing, you know? That's where we get our sense of pomp and circumstance. It's like, yeah, I'll be here for a while and then I'll go there and do a little of this, you know? It's like the California spirit. It's like, okay, you know, it's like. Uh, tied, being tied down seems limiting, it limits us. I don't want to be tied down, being stuck. I have to be stuck. So we don't show up. We don't show up where we are and then we move somewhere else. We don't show up there because we're always in a state of moving somewhere else, in a state of journeying, a state of movement. See, the, the body's just going to follow what the mind does. And so it just goes, you know, it's just. Like that. And so when we come into the body, the body has an incrustation of the mind's conditioning. It has what its self beliefs, all the assumptions that we have held ourselves to are encrusted in the body, in the body's posture, in its shape, in its expression, in its aliveness. And it's like one of those old, uh, those um, cicaded shells that you see on trees. To walk out of this thing. See, I, I'm pleading for your courage to do so. Because you see, it's very easy to say this. Well, I'll go to another teacher. I don't he's not. But you know, don't you? See, you know. I'm not bullshitting you. You know that. Now try to get out of that. Try to get out of that knowing. See what you have to do to get out of that.
perhaps worst of all, the most feared expression of the body is that it does not move. We hate that. Because if it does not move, then what are we doing? What excuse do we have to move when it doesn't? And we touch it. And after its waves of scar tissue and its screams of disappointment and its healing to its unforgiveness, which is what, you see, we're not talking about certifiable monsters here. We're talking about mind. We're just talking about waves of mind. We're talking about thought and emotion. What is there about that? <laughs> and once this Wave, these waves of scar tissue. Okay, so, all right, fair enough. That's the life I've lived. Let me own it. Let me be responsible. Let me be accountable to it. Okay, I did it. Yes, I did that. I did it. All right? So, go send me to jail. I don't care. I did it. Yes. All right, there you are. Okay, now that's, that's done. <laughs> then comes the challenge. Then comes the challenge. Because the body doesn't move. And to fully embody the body stills the mind. And so to fully embody oneself, we are no longer oneself. Because to be oneself, I have to be in movement. I have to be on a journey. I have to try every level and form of escape. I have to be an argument. But the body isn't moving. So it gives me no argument. Not if I embody it. It just is. This just is. It just is. Hmm? Whatever shape, it just is. And so where we thought the body ended and the external environment began, was only because we were in movement in relationship to the organism. And once that movement stops from full embodiment, there is no longer a differentiation between the environment and the organism and the mind. 
And because the implications of that can feel so unsettling, we create noise. Because noise is something we can argue against. If there's a voice, then I can have a counterpoint. Point and counterpoint. So we all jabber. And that serves the purpose of having a posture, a stance to something. And that allows me to differentiate myself from the environment. And that allows me to differentiate myself because the noise doesn't just stop with the environment. It continues on to the organism. It differentiates myself from my body. And that allows me to take my seat in the noise, which is where my identity rests. Because that's the thing that I can hear as an expression, as a manifestation, as the first out of this stillness that is so consuming. I can now get a grasp on it. I can put an identity to it. I can have a distinction, a louder voice, a smaller voice, a this voice, a that voice. And it's saying something. And therefore, there must be somebody here. Huh? Except there isn't. <laughs> it's just noise. So to come back, to welcome ourselves back in, to begin very gently this welcoming ourselves back in and not to be dissuaded by the factors of mind that keep us so apologetic and full of excuses for why we're anywhere and this sense of illegitimacy and feeling as an imposter wherever we are, that we have no legitimacy where we are, shaking someone's hand, looking in someone's eye or sitting in our place on the earth. A beautiful friend of mine who's... uh, I'm mentoring as a Dharma teacher, told the story that when he was a young man, in his 20s, he was an elementary school teacher, and to earn some more additional money, he drove a school bus for the elementary school. And he was he said how much fun he was having. He would, they would all uh, sing together, uh, and I, this man's heart is as big as the universe and I could just see him singing with the kids and just having this great time. So one day he was stopped and they were all singing together and some kids got off and uh, then he started up again and he uh, felt a thump and uh, he thought, oh my God, a pothole. I never realized there was a pothole. So he drove on. car was coming the other way and the car was waving frantic, frantically So he stops, he looks back, and he had run over and killed a five-year-old child. And he said he was close to insane, as you can imagine. It took him to a place where he just didn't know what to do. And the only thing he could do was to reach down and touch the earth and put his hands in the earth. And he just kept his hand, he just buried his hands in the earth.
You see, in the desperation, we know where to go, don't we? We know our legitimate home. We know where the sanity lies. It's exactly what the Buddha did. We know that we're extensions of this universe. An extension of the stars. An extension of the oceans because the blood is 98% of the composite of seawater. Much of the body contains the mineral salts of exploding stars. Literally. And that our legitimacy in the universe is a proven, is a given. We don't have to earn it. It's a given on the day that we are born. And for us to stabilize ourselves within that given, for there are few givens, but this is one. And to let the heart just reside. How can a pathetic, irresoluted heart ever open? When it has no ground, it has no foundation, it has nothing to open from. And so as we sit, we certify our legitimacy. Every cell in our body and every cell in all things certifies that legitimacy, that we are not an imposter. And now we know our rightful place. Because when the Buddha touched the earth, from my point of view, that was his enlightenment. That was his full actualization. That was his full confirmation of being. From that resolve, I'm, that's it. There's nowhere to go. arose the wonder and majesty of his enlightenment. And so too may it be for us. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.